and the doctors couldn't tell me what was wrong and uh, I had MRI scans on my brain and I had scans on my lungs and all these things happened and they were trying to get me in to see specialists and um, I'm just on the public system so then I was, I was put on a waiting list so it seemed like an endless waiting list and no one could help and then um, in my wisdom I decided to um, well I was like I'm, I'm a little bit stubborn um, those that, that have spent some time around me you, you may have experienced this I'm a little bit stubborn and I was like I'm not going to let I'm, I'm like I think I was 20, 25 or 24 at the time I was like, I'm not going to let this like ruin my life I'm not going to let it like I'm, I'm going to keep on living um, I was I wasn't working at the church I was working four days a week carpentry I was doing young adults pastoring at the church and connect groups and red frogs and um, young adults events and I was running a touch rugby team, um, so playing in that, organising that. Um, I had, I was doing things outside of that, trying to keep up a social life. Emma and I had just started dating. It was like it was a it was a full on year. It was some crazy crazy things happening, but my health was declining. I like to describe that as the best and the worst year of my life all in one because. Um, I met M and sorry, started dating M, and then we ended up getting engaged by the end of the year. But work was really hard. I was sick. I was taking a lot of time off work. They didn't particularly like that. Um, but it was it was mid year, and I decided I was going to go on this trip in my wisdom um, to New Zealand. So I went to New Zealand by myself, um, kind of at the worst of my sickness, and um, and went um, hiking through the mountains because uh, I love the mountains and um, so I was like in the snow um, not being able to breathe very well hiking and um, and like the cold air if you've ever had dry eyes cold air doesn't help um, it was I was like but I was loving life and not loving life at the same time and um, and so then I flew to flew to Melbourne I remember my uh, my friends that lived in Melbourne I flew in I texted him and I was like hey dude like I'm really quite unwell so maybe I'm just going to sleep for the first day and try and take it easy and then, and then maybe we can go out the next couple of days. He's like, yeah, man, no worries. And I got into Melbourne. He's like, do you want to grab a coffee first? I'm like, yeah. That coffee turned into five different cafes. I have a passion, a zeal for coffee in my life. Um, and, uh, and that turned into a big cafe crawl. And then we were just like, uh, I'm a big foodie, so we're hitting up all these places in Melbourne. And that turned into like three days of that, no rest. I think the next day I woke up, um, I, I got a chance to, um, a beautiful opportunity to vote. It's a, it's a privilege to vote. It was a federal election. I didn't register as an interstate vote. I had to go and stand in the city for two hours in a line uh, in the cold. Uh, and Melbourne gets cold and in the shade and uh, stand in line waiting to vote while like volunteers just walked up and down the line telling people you should have known better. You should have you should have put like an absentee vote in. You should have known you were coming to Melbourne. I was like, come on, man! Like we, everyone in the line's already in pain. Like just give us a break. Uh, but it was tough. And then I and then after that, I flew up to Sydney to meet up with crew from Cornerstone. We we're going to Hillsong Conference. If you've ever been to Hillsong Conference, it's incredible, but it's also incredibly exhausting. Um, so I had like a, a two and a half, three week holiday at the kind of worst point in my health. And um, and I came back so exhausted and so wrecked. But then I was just back into what I was doing. I was back into working and studying. That's how I was doing 
So my Bachelor of Theology, so two units of that on top of my work and young adults' responsibilities. And, and I was just, I was so wrecked. And um, I remember at one point in Melbourne, I was, my friends had gone to bed and I was sitting in, in my room and I was like, I couldn't breathe. And I was like, oh, man, should I call an ambulance? It's one of those moments where I was like, I've always had my health, so I just didn't really know what to do in these situations. I was like, should I call an ambulance, God? What should I do in this situation? Thankfully, I made it through the night without having to go to hospital. Um, but it, it turns out it wasn't until May, so halfway through 2017, that I finally got my appointment with the respiratory specialist. And, um, and I'd actually, around about November, December, I'd miraculously recovered from most of my um, symptoms. I was breathing again. I didn't have the dry eyes. I didn't have a cold for the first time in nine months, which is... Amazing. Imagine having a cold for nine months. It's not fun. Um, I still struggle with headaches. Thus, this morning, struggling into church. But I remember sitting down with my respiratory specialist, and he was like, so basically what we think has happened is that you got a viral infection that worked into the base of your lungs, and, um, and uh, it mimics asthma symptoms. Um, so anything any prescriptions or anything for asthma, any medication doesn't actually help. Um, and he's like, and if we had discovered this at the time, if we'd known what it was, there's not anything we could have actually done for you. Um, all you needed to do was rest. And, um, and I didn't rest. I'm not very good at resting. Um, and that's what I believe that God wants to talk about this morning with us as a, as a group, as a church, is this idea, rest. And that's what my sermons entitled this morning and and that's what I'm going to speak into so before we before we get into that let's just let's just pray together yeah Lord you you know what you want to do this morning God Lord we just ask that Lord we thank you that your spirit is in this place Lord that we sense your spirit through the worship and Lord and just even now we sense we sense the peace that your spirit brings Lord and God, we just pray right now, Lord, that you would speak to each and every heart this morning, Lord, that the words that flow out of my mouth this morning would be your words, Lord. God, we pray that, um, Lord, that, that I'll be able to preach in your strength, Lord, that, that it'll be through you that I can speak this morning, Lord. We just pray that your spirit of rest will come on this place, Lord. It would rejuvenate and revive each person in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. So as, as, as Christians, right, we're, we're commissioned by Jesus to go into the world and make disciples, right? That's, that's our call. That's our commission. We're to mirror the work of Jesus. Nathan was speaking about that and of the Spirit, speaking against injustice, loving our enemies, sharing the gospel. But how can we fulfill all God has that's called us to if we're exhausted, drained, tired, and worn out? Rest is a theme that permeates the Bible. We, we read in the creation account that Jesus, he creates the world for six days. Uh, sorry, God creates the world for six days and, and on the seventh he rests, right? And it's this idea of like, why would God need to rest? And there's a, there's a lot of um, kind of reasons behind that. There was a bit of superstition about the number seven back in the day and people, you know, didn't like to work. And there's all these things, but... We see, and we see in Jewish culture, we see the Sabbath is so much importance and we don't really 
think about it in our day today. We have Sunday, we go to church, but it's not really a Sabbath in the way that the Jewish people do it. And, and today I want to talk a little bit about Sabbath and, and not as a cultural idea, not as something that we need to, you know, can't even make, can't even make food on the seventh day. Not, that's not something that we talk about, but we do need to understand that the Bible actually commands us to take a Sabbath twice. So it does it twice. So if the Bible says something, we know it's important. But if it says it twice, we know that it's, it's definitely something that we should be paying attention to. So what is the significance that the Sabbath can have to us as a Christian, as Christians, right, in our faith? In, because I know that today that, that it's becoming more and more people are looking for an escape, right? People are looking, people pay money to go on yoga retreats. People pay money to go on retreats. People are looking to escape, but more and more as technology brings our world into the day you know that you go to work from nine to five but you take her work home with you because you bring your home phone you bring your phone home and you've got your emails and you've got phone calls and you've got text messages and then when you're on your lunch break you're often scrolling and it's just like we, we just don't like we don't get a break or a rest I know, and, and this, is, this is myself personally, I know that I can go to sleep and I can, you know, I can scroll Facebook, I can scroll Instagram and then I'll turn it out and I'll go to sleep and then I'll wake up and I'm back on and I'm keeping up with what's happening in the world and I see what's happening in my friend's life and it's great, but it's exhausting. It's just never, we never allow ourselves to shut off. We can become consumed by our work. We can com- consume by our studies, consumed by our social lives. And church isn't immune from this either. We can be consumed with the commission. We can be consumed, but if we don't balance our commission, if we don't balance what we're called to do, what Christ has called us to do as a church, as individuals, if we don't balance that with rest, we're going to end up burning out. And this is something that we're seeing rife in our community, and the church isn't immune from it. We're seeing the increase of anxiety and depression massively. Especially in Western cultures, we're seeing this rise, and it's because we've always switched on. We're not allowing ourselves time to rest. And the science behind what our brain does when we actually sleep is amazing. It restores and like resets. It has so much, but we, we don't even allow ourselves like a full eight hours often. And, and I'm guilty of this. Um, this is why I'm preaching this sermon, is that I know that often I'm up late preparing, um, studying, preparing stuff for connect group, preparing stuff for church. And then I have to get up early because I've got a barista shift in the morning. So I'm only on five hours sleep every night. And, and if you continue to do this, it wears you down. It, it gets to you. And this is not just a practical message this morning about we need more sleep and we need more downtime. This is a spiritual message. Our spirits need more downtime. Our spirits need to rest into what God calls us to do. And Jesus says in Mark Mark chapter 2, 27, he says that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for our benefit. This is something that God has set aside, that God examples in creation, that he takes a rest. This is something that, and you know, and, and I think we can remove the, the religious restrictions around the Sabbath because Jesus heals on the Sabbath, right? The Pharisees had got the wrong idea. They've taken it to the extreme. They've taken it to the thing where it become religious law and works and it become actually not a rest. It become almost like a bondage. 
I, I, I've read a little bit up and um, I remember I did a study on it years ago um, in one of my units about what's required from a Jewish person in the Sabbath and it seems exhausting. Can't turn the oven on. You know, it's like, like you've got to prepare the night before. You've got to prepare your meals. Like it's, it's like it's, you've got to, you're on edge about what you can and can't do. And that's not the Sabbath I want to speak into this morning. I want to speak into the Sabbath that was made for man. The one that has been designed to bring us rest is it's much greater than a designated day off. It extends beyond the weekend, right? We need to understand Sabbath as a way of life, not just a holiday. And often in Western society, we've, we've been like, and, and we're really lucky in Australia that we, if you work full time, you get four, four weeks off, right? You get four weeks off work and we work into that four weeks and we often take it over the Christmas period. So often we're working nonstop. We might get a week our weekends, but I, I imagine if you have kids, your weekends aren't really your own. And, I, and even like in other things, there's so many things to do. There's so many chores to do, right? You spend your weekend cleaning the house. And so, so we live in a Western society where we just like work, 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 work. And then we get to four weeks and then we just like, oh. but then we don't want to waste our four weeks. So we go on a holiday. And then we're just like exploring, we're looking at everything. And this is something Em and I did on our honeymoon is that we, we really wanted to take a month off. We were like, God, if we, if we can make a month off work for us, that will be incredible. But we love and we really wanted to go to Europe. And I've never been. I just want to explore everything. But I knew that God gave me a little bit of wisdom. And I knew that. So for the first two weeks, they were, that's where we spent in the Greek islands where it was our downtime. We did nothing. And then the next two weeks, we went in and we went to Austria and we, we explored the mountains and we traveled and we drove around and it was crazy and it was amazing. But we had those two weeks just to take downtime and rest. But I know that sometimes our holidays, we need a holiday after our holiday, right? And like, and it's so true. Like, I think often we want to squeeze the most we can get. Ty and I were talking about this this week, squeeze the most we can get out of our time off that we take the red eye out, we fly out at midnight so that we can get in and we can have the whole day and then we fly in and we get in at 1am and go back to work at 9am that morning because we're like, we just want to make the use of our time off the precious days we get. We can, like, sometimes our, our, our rest, our holidays aren't restful, but Sabbath is a way of life. It's something that God calls us. It's not just a holiday. And Eugene Peterson, who translate the message bible has this beautiful poetic way that he writes of sabbath and i think we've got it on the screen if you want to write this down uncluttered time and space to distance ourselves from the frenzy of our own activities so we can see what god has been and is doing if we do not regularly quit work for one day a week we take ourselves far too seriously the moral sweat pouring off our brows blinds us to the primal action of God in and around us. Man, that's so challenging. Now, I remember hearing this quote once, and I don't, know, I don't know if it was something I read or someone said it, and I can't find it, but, and I, I, I may have mentioned it before, but don't confuse busyness with importance. Sometimes we can busy ourselves so much, we can be like, I'm doing the work of the kingdom. I'm doing the work of the church. I've got to do this, this, this. Like you've got your work, 
you've got your sports and your social life and then you're like, I've got to do all these things in church. I've got to serve, I've got to serve, I've got to serve. And we can busy ourselves so much that the moral sweat pouring off our brow, we're like, I don't have time to rest. I'm doing the God's work. I'm doing the kingdom work. And we get so, we can, like, we actually miss what God's doing. We actually miss what God's wanting to do in our life. And when we actually take a moment to sit and rest, and rest in the pre- when was the last time you rested in the presence of God that it was so tangible to you that it just flooded over you and you just rested and then you saw clearly what God wants to do what a challenge we we got to stop getting just solely caught up in the things that we do we got to do I got to get it I got to do it and these things are important and then they're not always negative, that God really calls us to be Christ to the world. We've got to do these things. But, man, like we need, to, we need to know who we are in God. We need to rest in what God's doing in our, in our lives. In Matthew, let's turn, if you've got your Bibles, it's going to mostly work out of Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 today. I'm going to read the NLT first. Jesus, then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and, my, and the burden I give you is light. In the message, I think it really breaks it down in such a tangible way that can be so applicable to our lives. I want to read that, and I think it's on the screen. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Guys, this isn't about throwing off what we're called to, what God calls us to. This is about imitating Jesus. Work, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Guys, if we, if we legitimately take Jesus as an example here, and we watch and how he went to the Mount of Olives. He had his place where he pressed in and he, and he pressed into what God had for him. He, he prayed to God. He was rejuvenated. He surrounded himself by people he could trust and love. Like Jesus, Jesus had his ministry, but he also had his time where, where he was built up by the Spirit. Guys, sometimes we forget that Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, Lord, take this cup away from me, but if it's your will, I'll do it. That Jesus went to the cross through the power of the Holy Spirit. That this is, this is something that, that Jesus, as, as a man, just sweated over and agonized over, but through the power of God in him, he was able to do what God had called him to and what he had submitted to. I love, I love this line, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. This is Jesus' invitation to us to come to Him, to be released from our shame and our sin, to be released from our burdens. Guys, Christianity shouldn't be burdensome and exhausting. 
we know that it comes with we, we know that it comes with its challenges it calls us to pick up our cross we know the cost of christianity but it but when we enter to the slipstream of what god's calling us to do when we work in what god's doing when we stop getting caught up and busy about the things that we think that god might call us to when we spend time guys when when church begins to become a task when we leave on a sunday more exhausted when we came how are we supposed to carry the gospel into our weekly lives? How are we supposed to be all Christ has called us to be if we aren't resting in who Christ is? How am I supposed to love my neighbor, let alone my enemy, when I'm so exhausted? And this is my challenge today, church, is how are we supposed to share the good news if it isn't good news to us? When we become despondent, we need to turn to Jesus, answer his invitation, and enter into the rest he offers. So what does it look like to enter God's rest? When we take time, we put aside distractions. When we turn off our phone, take a break from our studies or our work, when we push the to-do list out of our mind, when we still our mind, and all the distractions that compete for our attention when we fix our hearts on God. We ask with Eugene Peterson, what have you been doing in my life, God? What are you doing now? What have you been doing, and what are you doing now? So my first point this morning, guys, is rest brings peace. When we enter the rest Jesus calls us into, we encounter his peace that transcends all understanding. He is the Prince of Peace and He steals our anxious heart. Our anxieties begin to fade when we know who God is, which in turn tells us who we are. When we know who God is, we know who we are. We are made in the image of God. We, who we are in our truest self is when we reflect the image of Jesus. When we enter into what He's called us to, in His rest we begin to sense the Father's heart for us. Deep love directed towards us. Deep longing for relationship extended towards us. Surrounded by His love, we begin to live freely and lightly in the yoke of Jesus. I'm going to be finishing up in a moment, guys, because I really felt that God laid on my heart when I was preparing yesterday on Friday and I was just really praying about what God wanted to do. I really think that God wants to do some ministry this morning in this area. So I want to leave time for that. I'm going to wrap up in a minute so we can have some time on the altar where we can pray together and pray for one another. And I'm going to unpack, I'm preaching next week, I'm going to unpack this point a bit more that rest empowers us. When we enter God's rest, we begin to get a sense of what we're called to. How can we know the will of God for our life if we aren't spending time resting in His presence? How can we know the voice of the Father if we never set aside time to listen to it? With our heads full of the noise of busyness and distraction, we can't hear God's voice. But when we stop and we rest in God's presence, we begin to get a sense of what He's doing, what He's calling us to do. Two of our core values at Cornerstone Church are communion and commission. But how can we live out our commission 
unless we enter into communion with God and each other. It's in our resting place with God that we begin to understand what our commission is. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can live out our commission. And it is only in the resting place that we can that we first tap into. I'm not saying that we can't experience the Holy Spirit when we're working in commission, but we need to start from a point of rest. We need to start. We need to recharge our batteries, if you like, in what God's speaking and what God's doing to us. I love the wisdom of Bernie in, in leaders' meetings and, 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 and how he always brings it back to the Spirit. He's like, we need, to, we need to be sensitive to what the Spirit's doing here. We need to know what the Spirit's doing here. And that takes time to, to get used to what, what the Spirit's leading us into. That takes practice. It takes formation. This is something that we need to work into our lives so that we would be empowered by the Spirit, that we could live out the Great Commission, that we could go out and make disciples of of each other. We, we can go out and we can bring good news to the poor, that we could bind up the brokenhearted, that we could live everything that in our benediction, that we could live what our benediction is. We need to be empowered and resting in what the Holy Spirit is doing. I want to read this, this message again. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get, a, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Listen, it says... Jesus will show us how to rest. Walk with him and work with him. Follow his example. Jesus was the king of resting, guys. He took a nap on a boat in a storm. All right? What a crazy example of taking a rest, right? Jesus had so much peace and he rebuked the disciples when they were freaking out. Seriously, Jesus always taught us to seek out the Father in prayer, rest in His presence. When we enter the rest with Jesus, we're empowered to live the life we're called to. It's empowering. Man, how good's a nap? It's empowering, right? Sometimes I've worked a full day and I know I've got a party at night, I've got something to go to. Man, if I can get in a power nap, it's empowering. I'm ready, I'm ready to go. But often, I don't have time for a nap, so I just have a coffee. A coffee is empowering only to a certain level. We've got to rest in what God wants us to do. I'm going to ask the band to come. Oh, no. <laughs> I've got half of my old sermon in here. I was like, why is the log in the eye? <laughs> They're with me. Okay. So I really believe, guys, that there's some people here that need to hear this this morning. There are some people here who think that God just requires of them, requires of them, requires of them. But I want you to know 
that your image of God is hurting today. And I believe God wants to heal that this morning. Don't hear me wrong this morning. This isn't about becoming a Christian and life is fairy tales and rainbows. We know that the way of the cross isn't like that. But just as we are called to share in Jesus' suffering, we are also called to share in His love, in His rest, in His presence. For through Jesus, we are made sons and daughters worthy of the Father's love. We can enter fully into that love to experience it, to rest in it, to be restored by it, to be healed by it. This is the table. Not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. So come. You who come here often and you who are visiting for just the first time, come. You who have tried to follow Jesus, you who have failed in following Jesus, and you who have just decided to follow Jesus for the first time, come. Let nothing empty this table of its power. Let nothing keep you from love's feast. Leave judgment behind and receive mercy. Leave indifference behind and receive God's grace. Church, we have come as we are, but by His grace we are sent out not the same. For in this place the Spirit that anointed Christ has been poured out on us. He has exchanged a crown of beauty for our ashes, the oil of joy for our sorrow, a garment of praise for our spirit of despair. He has spoken over us a new name, Oaks of Integrity, and prophesy we will grow into a canopy of His beauty to bless and rebuild this city in His unfailing, non-violent love. So go, broadcast good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, prophesy freedom for captives, let the blind see, set free the oppressed, live jubilee and forgive, blessing our enemies, because Christ has shut the book on vengeance. Go now in his liberating grace that pardons and empowers sinners like us to participate in God's kingdom of mercy. And all of God's people said, Amen.